Chapter twenty four of Tom and Some Other Girls by Mrs. George D. Horn Vasey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. All's well that ends well. Despite the painful incidents of Evie's convalescence, Christmas was a happy season at Early Chase, for it had always been a tradition of the household to make much of this festival and mrs chester could not bring herself to change her habits as the years advanced every twenty-sixth of december mr chester would say solemnly this is the last time i cannot let you wear yourself out like this when christmas cards have to be sent off by the hundred and presents by the score it is time to call a halt for what has been a pleasure becomes a burden next year you drop these outside people and think only of our immediate circle and mrs chester would murmur meekly yes dear of course just as you wish and begin laying in stores for next christmas at her first visit to the january sales there was a cupboard in one of the spare rooms which was dedicated entirely to the keeping of presents and into it went all manner of knick-knacks which were picked up during the year bazaar gleanings in the shape of cushions cosies and tablecloths relics of travel and a hundred and one articles useful and ornamental which had been bought because they were so cheap and it really seemed wicked to leave them lying on the shop counter when a need arose as when a birthday was suddenly remembered the day before it fell due or an anniversary suggested the propriety of a little offering it was the easiest thing in the world to poke about in the cupboard until a suitable gift was discovered laura everett was much amused by this novel way of apportioning presents which was so strangely different from that practised at her own home when she was wheeled into the morning-room a few days before christmas it was to find a small bazaar of fancy articles spread on tables and sofas while mrs chester sat checking off the names written on a long sheet of paper and rhoda cried out here's a yellow silk cushion whom do we know who has got a complexion that can bear being set off against a background of sulphur yellow here's a gorgeous table centre quite beautifully worked whom do we know who is old-fashioned enough to use table centers still here's a piece of turkish embroidery which would be the very thing to cover that shabby old sofa at the vicarage it was absolutely in holes the last time i saw it turkish embroidery mrs mason thank goodness that's one thing settled wrap it up at once rhoda dear it will be one thing less to do cried mrs chester in a tone of relief while evie held up her hands in astonishment of all the extraordinary ways of giving presents to have a room full of things and then to puzzle as to whom you can give them this is indeed a new experience for me when we talk over our presents at home it is to wonder how in the world we can contrive to buy twenty things for nineteen shillings such a wholesale way of managing things i never imagined in my wildest moments she gave a little sigh of envy as she looked at the lavish profusion which lay around yet after all there was a pleasure in contriving those simple gifts in putting in delicate stitches to add to the value of cheap materials 
a triumph in manufacturing something out of nothing which rhoda and her mother could never enjoy she was not at all sure that that old home fashion was not the sweeter after all while the apportioning of gifts was going on in the morning-room the cook and her kitchen-maids were busy at work in the great nagged kitchen manufacturing all sorts of dainties to be packed away in the hampers ranged in readiness along the walls it was a sight to see the good things laid out on the tables and evie was carried down on her chair to admire and praise with the rest and to watch the interesting process of packing far and wide these hampers went carrying good cheer into many a home where otherwise there would have been scanty provisions for the day of rejoicing and bringing unexpected gleams of sunshine to many an anxious heart needless to say one of the best was addressed to a country parsonage especially dear to evie's heart and was accompanied by a parcel of presents which had not been lightly bought but worked by loving fingers during long hours of convalescence christmas day itself was a busy occasion when the home party had little leisure to think of themselves so unending was the stream of pensioners which came up to the chase to receive their gifts and to be fed and warmed in the gaily decorated rooms dinner was served early so that the servants might be free to have their festivities in the evening and at nine o'clock all the employees on the estate came up dressed in their best and danced with the servants in the hall mr and mrs chester with harold and rhoda honoured the assembly by joining in the first dance and evie sat in her wheeled chair looking on and trying to keep a smiling face the while she fought one of the mental battles which seemed to meet her on every step of the road to recovery she had been so much occupied grieving over the serious financial loss which her inability to work would involve that she had taken little thought of the pleasures from which she was debarred but after all she was but a girl and a girl with a keen capacity for enjoyment and it was a very keen pang which went through her heart as she listened to the seductive strains of the band and watched the couples glide slowly by the dark brows twitched as if in pain and she drew aside the folds of the pink tea-gown to cast a longing glance at the little useless feet stretched before her a sudden remembrance arose of the day when rhoda protested in dismay at the thought of wearing the ugly regulation school shoes and of her own confession of love for pretty slippers of the satisfaction with which she had donned the same on thursday evenings and danced about the hall as blithely as any one of her pupils those days were over forever over she would never again know the joy of any rapid exhilarating motion she lifted her hand to wipe away a tear hoping to escape observation the while but to her dismay harold stood by her side and his eyes met hers with an expression of pained understanding any reference to her infirmity seemed to distress him so acutely that the first instinct was to comfort him instead of herself and she smiled through her tears saying in the sweetest tones of her always sweet voice don't please don't look so sorry it was babyish of me but just for one moment i was so fond of dancing you know and i had never realized before just so you realize fresh losses every day i know what you must feel you have not been babyish at all but 
most brave and heroic evie sighed it's nice to be praised but i feel as if i don't deserve it i am not in the least brave at heart sometimes i almost dread getting strong for then i shall have to face so much i'm conceited too for i hate the idea of limping and being stiff and ungraceful i thought i did not care for appearance but i did oh a great deal it is a humiliating discovery and i am trying hard to cure myself but pride dies slowly there was a girl at school who was lame i used to be so sorry for her and yet compared with other misfortunes it is a very little thing i can still move about and use my faculties it is not so bad after all yes said harold unexpectedly it is very bad it is a mistake to pretend to yourself that it is only a small trial for it's not true and the pretense is sure to break down some day and leave you where you were it is a great affliction for people to be crippled even when they are old and have lost their energy but for a girl like you it is ten times worse don't be too hard on yourself and expect resignation to come all at once i believe the best plan is to face it fully and to say to yourself it's a big test one of the biggest i could have to bear i shall feel the pinch not to-day only but to-morrow and the next year and as long as i live it is going to take a big effort to save myself from growing bitter and discouraged but it's worth fighting for my whole life hangs on the result if i can succeed if i can rise above infirmity and keep a bright uncomplaining spirit he broke off suddenly and evie breathed a quick yes yes i know i feel that too thank you so much it is good to talk to someone who understands it helps me on don't thank me it is like my presumption to venture to preach to you but you have helped me so much that when i saw you in trouble i could not be silent i was obliged to do what i could i i have helped you repeated evie blankly and a flush of colour rose in her pale cheeks which made her look for one moment the happy blooming girl of old in what way have i ever helped you or been anything but an anxiety and care but harold did not answer and that was the last chance of a tete-a-tete conversation for that evening for presently she was carried off to her own room and helped into bed where she lay awake for a long long time staring before her in the twilight and recalling the lessons of consolation to which she had just listened it must surely have been wonderfully wise wonderfully true since it did not so much comfort as do away with the very necessity for comfort she could not delude herself that she felt sad or despondent or anything but mysteriously happy and at rest as she lay smiling softly to herself in the flickering firelight two days later came a delightful surprise evie and her late pupil were sitting in the morning-room writing letters of thanks to the many donors of christmas presents when the door opened and shut and some one walked into the room it was such an ordinary matter-of-fact entrance that neither of the writers troubled to look up taking it for granted that the newcomer was mrs chester who had left the room but a few minutes before 
two minutes later however evie finished her sheet and lifted her eyes to make a casual remark when she promptly fell back in her chair with a shriek and a hand pressed over her heart rhoda jumped up in alarm and then was it a dream or did a well-known figure really lean up against the mantelpiece in familiar gentlemanly attitude a roguish smile curling the lips and little eyes alight with mischief tom tom oh tom you angel where in the world have you come from cried rhoda rushing forward with outstretched arms in a very whirlwind of welcome how perfectly delicious to see you again and what a terrific start you gave me oh what a surprise chanted tom easily rubbing her cheeks as if to wipe away the kisses pressed upon it and advancing to greet evie with a nonchalance which for once was a trifle overdone though neither of her friends was in the least danger of mistaking her real feelings same to you and many of them she continued sitting down without waiting for an invitation and smiling round in genial fashion it really was as good as a play standing there and watching you two scribbling away with faces as solemn as judges what a squeal evie gave it made me jump in my skin yes i'm visiting my female relative and determined to pay you a visit even if it were only for an hour it can't be much longer for we have a tea fight on this afternoon when every spinster in the neighbourhood is coming to stare at me and deliver her views on higher education such a lark some of them strongly approve and others object and i agree with each in turn until the poor dears are so bamboozled they don't know what to do they think i am an amiably disposed young person but defective in brains and poor aunt jim gets quite low in her mind for she wants me to impress them and branch off into latin and greek as if they came more naturally to me than english i wish they did it takes the conceit out of one to go up to college and compete with women instead of girls don't you like it tom are you happy didn't you miss the manor and feel homesick for the girls in the old school parlor queried rhoda eagerly and tom screwed up her face in meaning fashion should have done if i had not kept a tight hand but you know my principle never to worry over what can't be cured plenty to bother oneself about without that i thought of you all a great deal and realized that i'd been even happier than i knew and that i disliked taking a bottom place so abominably that it was plainly the best thing for me to do i love power sighed tom wagging her head in sorrowful confession and that's just what i see no chance of getting again for a precious long time to come i haven't much time to grieve however for my poor little nose is fairly worn away it's kept so near to the grindstone well, you look thinner said rhoda truthfully enough poor old tom you mustn't let them wear you out we will take care of you at least so i'll go and order lunch earlier than usual if you really must be off so soon the three o'clock train i suppose yes please don't worry about anything special for me half a dozen cutlets or a few pounds of steak is all i could eat i assure you said tom modestly and rhoda went laughing out of the room leaving her two friends gazing at one another in an embarrassed silence no reference had so far been made to the accident which was the cause of evie's presence at the chase but it was impossible that the visit should end in silence and both instinctively felt that rhoda's absence gave the best opportunity for what must be said the colour came into evie's face as she nerved herself to open the painful subject 
you know of course tom that i am not going back to hurst miss bruce has been most kind but she must consider the good of the greater number and this accident has shown more plainly than ever the necessity of having a housemistress who can join in the games with the girls i shall never be any good for a large school again for even apart from the games the long stairs and corridors would be too trying so you see my career is cut off suddenly yes i see i've thought of that it's very interesting said tom in a dreamy voice which brought a flush of indignation into evie's eyes interesting she repeated is that what you call it it's not the word i should have used or expected from you tom or from any of my friends no perhaps not but it is interesting all the same for one is so curious to see what will happen next when you have planned out your life and fitted in everything towards one end and then suddenly by no fault of your own that end is made impossible why if you believe in a purpose in things what could be more interesting and exciting what is to happen next what is one to do it is like reading a story in parts and breaking off just at the critical crisis i should like to turn over the pages evie and see what is going to happen to you evie smiled faintly would you tom i am afraid i have been hiding my head like an ostrich and trying not to look forward but your view is the healthier and i'll try to adopt it i don't give up all idea of teaching though big schools are impossible perhaps they would take me at some small old-fashioned seminary where sports are considered unladylike and the pupils take their exercise in a crocodile up and down the parade ugh said tom with a grimace which twisted every feature out of recognition no surely evie you will never condescend to that you lie low for a bit and get strong and keep up your classics and i'll see if i can't find you some coaching to do among the girls i meet if you could get along that way for a few years it would be all right for i shall be settled by that time and able to look after you you shall be my secretary dear and have a jolly little den to yourself where i can take refuge when the girls get too much for me we could be very happy together you and i couldn't we and grow into two nice contented old maids with too much to do to have time to envy our neighbours she fixed her bright little eyes on evie's face as she asked the question and to her horror and dismay evie felt the colour rush to her cheeks and mount higher and higher in a crimson tide which refused to be restrained by the most desperate mental efforts how idiotic to blush at nothing how senseless how humiliating how quite too ridiculous of tom to turn aside and stare at the opposite side of the room in that ostentatious manner evie felt inclined to shake her but at that opportune moment rhoda returned and during the remainder of tom's visit there was no opportunity for private confidences once more rhoda accompanied her friend to the station and waited anxiously for the word which would surely be said concerning the escapade which had cost so dear but like evie she was obliged to introduce the subject herself have you nothing to say to me tom she asked wistfully i haven't seen you since you know when but of course you heard how it happened it was all my fault what are you going to say to me about it why nothing fuzz said tom 
turning her little eyes upon the quivering face with a tenderness of expression which would have been a revelation to casual acquaintances who believed miss bolderston incapable of the softer emotions why should i you've said it all yourself a hundred times better than i could have done and who am i that i should make myself a ruler or judge over you but she is lame you know said rhoda sadly nurse says the knee is stronger than she expected but even so she will always limp imagine evie limping she was such a graceful little thing and tripped about so lightly and she was so proud of her little feet i have spoiled her future too for she can never take such a good post again i've ruined her whole life we will discuss that point ten years later it is too early to decide it yet many things happen that we do not expect remarked tom sagely whereat rhoda shook her head in hopeless fashion i cannot imagine anything happening that would make this any better on the contrary tom it has made me realize how little help one can give and what a fraud money is when it comes to the test i used to imagine that i could do pretty nearly everything i wanted because i was rich but look at evie i would give my life to help her but beyond a few trumpery presents and a little lightening of pain what can i do she would not accept more and one dare not offer it though if she would allow it we would be thankful to pension her off for life money can't do everything i see that's a good thing let's be thankful for that at least it's worth something to have learned that lesson cried tom cheerily and for the rest of the way to the station she talked resolutely on indifferent subjects refusing to be drawn back to the one sad topic only when the last good-bye was said did she soften into tenderness actually allowing herself to be kissed without protest and saying hurriedly in a low half-shamed voice good-bye fuzzy bless you never say die sometimes you know it takes a big thing to open one's eyes keep straight ahead from where you are now and you'll have no more troubles then the train moved off and rhoda lost the last glimpse of her friend in a mist of tears dear tom dear blunt kindly honest tom what a strength she had been to all who knew her what a strength she was going to be to generations of girls to come rhoda looked forward into the future and prophesied to herself that she would know no prouder boast than that she had been one of tom bolderston's girls and had been brought up under her rule that evening the occupants of the drawing-room looked up in amaze as a rustle of silken garments struck their ears and a stately young lady came forward with a fan waving in one hand and masses of ruddy hair piled high upon her head rhoda of course and yet could it be rhoda for with the short skirts and flowing mane the last traces of childhood had disappeared and the woman of the future seemed already to stand before them mr chester gave a quick exclamation and rhoda turned to him and swept a stately curtsey at your service sir i thought you might like to see your grown-up daughter my new dress came home to-day and i looked so fine in it that i was obliged to do up my hair to be in keeping and i went to mother's room and stole her pearls and took her very best fan when girls come out they always help themselves to their parents fineries so i thought i had better begin at once do you like me dear she looked up at him half shy 
half laughing and there was silence in the room while each of the onlookers felt a thrill of unexpected emotion it was like looking on at the turning point in a life and the girl was so beautiful in her fresh young bloom that it was impossible to behold her unmoved the coiled-up hair showed the graceful poise of her head the shoulders were smooth and white as satin the blue eyes had lost their hard self-confidence and shone sweet and true yes rhoda was going to be a beautiful woman she was one already as her father realized with a natural pang of regret mingling with his pride his eye softened as he laid his hand on her shoulder yes my daughter you are grown up indeed i never realized it before you had better prepare for the duties of chaperon mother for i foresee that this young lady will keep us busy we shall have to take her about and entertain her friends and yawn in the corners while they dance half through the night that's it isn't it rhoda rhoda looked at him with a start of surprise by tacit agreement nothing had been said of future arrangements so that this was the first definite hint which she had received of her parents intention her voice was half regretful half relieved as she said then i am not to go back to school father you have decided that it is better not mr chester put his hands on her arms and looked at her fondly a remembrance rising in his mind as he did so of that other evening eighteen months ago when the prospect of school had been proposed and the girl had taken up the question and settled it out of hand in arrogant youthful fashion it was a very different tone in which the present question was asked and he was quick to note the difference what do you say mother she doesn't look very much like a schoolgirl to-night does she no rhoda i think those days are ended you have had a year and a half at school and it has been a valuable experience for you in many ways but both your nerves and ours have been overstrained lately and we will not risk any more separations but try what travel will do to complete your education it has always been my dream to go abroad for a year where you were able to come with us and now that time has arrived we will plan out a tour that shall be both pleasant and educational and enlarge our minds by learning something about other countries besides our own rome for easter the italian lakes and switzerland in summer the riviera and egypt in winter oh father how lovely how i shall enjoy it how happy we shall be travelling about all together i could not have told you what i wanted but this is the very thing of all others i should most enjoy and mother will like it too it will not tire you will it dear or worry you to be away from home my home is where you are i shall be perfectly happy dear so long as we are together said the mother who had never been known to oppose her own wishes to those of her family and in this easy fashion the matter was settled one moment the project was mooted the next dates and routes were being eagerly discussed and the question of wardrobe being taken into account presently mr chester must needs consult the atlas which was in constant reference in every conversation and away went the three in happy conclave 
to turn over the leaves on the library table while evie was left to look after them with wistful eyes and harold to study her face in his turn she turned to find his eyes fixed upon her and struggled hard to speak brightly they all seem so happy it is good to see them and how pretty rhoda looks to-night it is so interesting to see the girls grow up and come out as full-fledged young ladies i've seen two transformations to-day rhoda and tom miss bolderston really would you call her a transformation queried harold raising his eyebrows with an expression which said all that he dare not put into words if that is a transformation one is tempted to wonder what she was like before don't evie looked at him pleadingly don't make fun of her please because we love her so dearly men don't appreciate tom and she doesn't show her best side to them but she is a splendid girl and the truest of friends she was so kind to me to-day you were talking to her about your work and worrying because you could not go back at once said harold shrewdly and evie looked at him under raised apologetic eyebrows quite overcome at being read in so easy a fashion well just a little i said that i could not go back to hurst as i should not be able to take part in games again and she sympathized with you and agreed that it was a desperate lot no indeed you don't know tom she is far too much of an optimist to see the black side she only said she was interested to see what would happen next and that it was like being stopped suddenly in the middle of a story i thought it was a very cheerful way of looking at it she paused not caring for some indefinite reason to say anything of that later proposition in the carrying out of which she and tom were to grow old side by side but the idea lay on her mind and presently she added dreamily but even if i am lame my mind is not affected i can teach just as well as ever there must be an opening for me somewhere there are plenty of small schools where they don't go in for sports plenty of girls who have to be educated at home delicate girls backwards girls girls who are perhaps like myself i could teach them still if they would let me try it was a very sweet little voice and the quiver with which it broke off sounded strangely pathetic in the silence harold did not speak and his head was bent forward so that evie could not see his face his hands were clasped and pressed so tightly together that the muscles stood out under the skin but presently one of them was stretched forward and laid pleadingly over her own dearest and sweetest said harold softly teach me instead when rhoda came rushing into the room ten minutes later it was to find her brother seated by evie on the sofa and to meet two pairs of eyes which tried vainly to look calm and composed but which were in reality so brimming over with happiness that the news was told without need of a single word oh she cried stopping short and staring in astonishment oh and then evie struggled to her feet and held out wide welcoming arms oh rhoda i am never going to be unhappy any more 
Harold won't let me. He is going to help me all my life. She is going to help me, corrected Harold firmly. I am the happiest fellow in the world, Rhoda, and you must be happy too. Come and kiss your new sister. Rhoda gave a little sob of joy and flew into Evie's arms. My own sister, and I can take care of you always. I shall have a right, and you will not have to worry any more or be anxious or troubled. Evie, Evie, you can forgive me now. You can feel that I have not spoiled your life you'll be happy even if you are lame yes she will be happy she has found a good man to take care of her said mrs chester coming forward from the background and taking evie into a warm embrace my dear child i thought i hoped it might come to this once upon a time i was afraid i might be jealous of harold's wife but not you dear not you that would be impossible we owe you too much you are welcome a thousand times welcome i am a rich woman indeed for i have two beautiful daughters instead of one evie dropped her head on the broad motherly shoulder and shed a tear of pure happiness and thankfulness tom was right she said to herself softly tom was right it was too early to judge good has come out of evil end of chapter twenty four recording by judy mason end of tom and some other girls by mrs george de horn vesey